Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you this evening. Uh, we're going to be joined by a very good friend of mine uh, who's been in the business for a while. He and I are going to do a special Coach's Corner uh, discussion tonight. And uh, a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by tonight's uh, very special guest, Drew Kohler. He is the co-founder and head of business development at Blue Tees Golf. He'll be joining me on the second half of the show, so I'm excited to have both of them on here. Uh, here we are, June 30th. Uh, uh, again, another month has flown by. We're already uh, started in summer, and everybody's at full strength here in the golfing business. Many of the instructors are uh, out giving lessons, uh, on, both on the lesson tee and uh, playing lessons. So uh, everybody's plenty busy, uh, busy as it were, and everybody's out there trying to improve their game. So uh, we're excited for them and happy that uh, more and more people have, especially over the last couple of years, have come uh, and began uh, taking up some lessons and learning to play this great game. So we're excited about that. And, of course, we're on the cusp, if you will, of the July 4th holiday weekend. I know everybody's excited to get out there and uh, celebrate with family and friends and have a good time. So obviously be safe and, and get out there and have some fun. And whatever it is that you happen to do, uh, get out there and just enjoy yeah, one another's company. All right, uh, as I said, I'm going to be joined here by a very, very good friend and a special guest. He's been uh, here on the show for many, many years uh, since pretty much its inception. Um, of course, I'm talking about Clint Wright. He's a 30-plus year, uh, year member of the PGA and one of the partners at TGM Golf. Uh, TGM Golf, of course, is a big proponent of the R3 approach, which we've talked about here before on the show. And uh, I certainly consider him to be one of the best covering the short game and a uh, favorite guest panelist here on the Coach's Corner, uh, and he has navigated his way from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. So please welcome my very special guest uh, to the Coach's Corner panel, Clint Wright. Good evening, Clint. Uh, good evening to you, Ted. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm glad yeah, to have it. Yeah, you've, you've worked your way up to the front. You're almost ready to drive the bus, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm a. I guess I'm. I'm a veteran now. I guess as we may be, but um, we've always had fun on the show. And and I, uh, I, I kind of as we try to have a little fun on the practice tee and stuff. You know, it's not all not all serious business. We can have a little chuckle every now and then. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to. Um, I, you know, I think just all kidding aside, but um, you know, especially for new new golfers, it, it can be very daunting and very stressful to learn it golf is as we know is not an easy game uh we can certainly do things to make it a little bit easier on ourselves uh but it certainly can be uh, it's full of its challenges and i think you've got to be willing to laugh at yourself i mean you know we've all doesn't matter what level of player you are we've all hit some bad shots 
And uh, sometimes we, you know, we let our uh, our emotions get the better of us. And instead of maybe just having a good chuckle and saying, "Boy, that was a really bad shot," and then move on to the next one, um, I, I think we've got to do that. And we try, as coaches, try to help our, our players do that. Uh, certainly, uh, I know uh, we do. And and uh, I think that's what uh, we try to do here in Coach's Corner as well. So, you know, have a few laughs along the way. So we're going to talk about bunker uh, bunker shots, if you will. And there's a variety of different uh, areas that, that we're going to discuss here. And, and what I'm going to do, Clint, is we're going to sort of break it down into specific areas so, um, so that we don't jump ahead. I'm going to sort of feed into uh, specific areas of, of bunkers and different types of bunker shots that one might be faced with. And the reason why I do this is that this is really a nemesis for, I think, amateur golfers. You know, uh, the question many of them, you know, pose is, you know, why are bunker shots so difficult? And really, they're not as difficult as, as one might think, but often they're not always taught the right technique. Um, so some of the major problems, I think, for hitting poor or inconsistent bunker shots are, are things like trying to sort of skim the ball off the sand like a chip shot, which might work, you know, one out of five shots, um, but it's not consistent. It's not really the proper technique. Uh, using the wrong club from the sand is another one that quite often happens. Um, not following through to a complete swing. We're going to talk about some of these in a little bit more detail as we go along. Uh, and bounce and the sole width of the club are maybe not fat enough. Again, that goes to not uh, using the right club. And obviously tension is a big killer in all shots, not just the bunker shots. So those are some of the things we're going to talk about, uh, but, um, and, and of course more. And then we're going to talk about different types of bunker shots. So for, this, for the purpose of the beginning of this discussion, I want to focus on just sort of your run-of-the-mill greenside bunker, nothing real fancy, uh, but just sort of a generic bunker shot. Uh, and then we'll get into some more specifics as we go along. So I talked about the club. Um, so as a beginner, right. um, really, what should we be using um, for that? Um, maybe give, it, give us an example. And then we're going to get into things like the stance, the setup, and that sort of thing. But for the sure. club, no problem. you and I know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Give us an idea of what they should be looking to do, uh, what club they should be selecting um, for, for okay. just a, a standard bunker shot. Okay. And why? Well, Right, I understand. I I love this because, I mean, to me, bunker shots are the easiest shot in the game, period. Mm-hmm. Because it's the, only, it's the only shot you don't have to hit the ball. You just got to get somewhere around it, okay? Uh, but to, to come back to the question, it, the player should analyze the type of bunkers they have at their home course, okay? Mm-hmm. There's all different type of textures and consistencies and and softness versus hardness. So we can talk briefly, but if you look for just the run-of-the-mill generic sand wedge that can be used maybe versatile, not just in the bunker, but kind of a combination wedge, I think they should be looking at somewhere around a 56-degree club that's Mm -hmm. got, I like the idea of 10-degree bounce because I'm going to, as we talk about setup, we're going to let the club roll open a little bit which is going to increase that bounce per, um, angle. So if I've got mm-hmm. a 10 and I open the club up a little bit to add some loft or we'll get it to glide through, then I'm probably going to end up with a 12 to maybe 14 degree uh, bounce on that club, which is beneficial for bunker plays in soft sand. But it's not so beneficial out in the fairway where we don't want so much bounce, so we play it straight up and we're back to the 10 degree. So your mm-hmm. general run-of-the-mill wedge is, 55, 56, 10-degree bounce, standard length, um, 
you know, the sole width is going to be fairly close to the same regardless of what brand you have. Um, but mm -hmm. the little wider that sole is in that club, the better off you are. So I wouldn't go in and buy a real narrow, uh, you know, sole club that's got 10 degrees. But there, there's, you know, such a variety of wedges today. Every company right. out there has got multiple wedges, different lofts, different, you know, bounce angles, uh, different sole widths. So the wider the sole, the better. Around 55, 56 degrees with 10 degree bounce is a really good place to start. Yeah, and, and I think it, this all goes to, with, it, with any of your equipment really, this is when it becomes important for club fitting. Uh, this is where your pro, um, especially if they you know, um, deal in, in, in club fitting, some don't obviously, but most of them can help you with that. Um, that's where it becomes important because selecting the right club. And you're right, the wider the sole uh, is going to be more conducive to helping you get out of the sand. So when you're looking for that, as you pointed out, there's a lot of brands out there. Some are a little thinner, some are a little you know, uh, wider, if you will. Right. And I think particularly for the beginner golfers, I think a wider sole sand wedge is going to be more beneficial to them because it's going to make it a little bit easier to help them get the ball out of the, uh, out of the sand uh, trap and, and onto the onto the green so they can uh, certainly make a, a, a good attempt at a putt. And you're right, a 56, well, maybe even a 58, yeah, a 58 degree sand wedge as well, again, depending on uh, the player. Now, some uh, more skilled players might even use their lob wedge, which again is a little bit different. Uh, I don't certainly recommend that for an amateur or a less skilled player or a beginning player, uh, but some of them do that. Uh, they, again, uh, you know, it, it, depending on the, your skill level and so forth. So uh, I think that's a, a good starting point. Let's let's get a good sand wedge with a good bounce on it, um, and let's start with the right equipment. It starts with the right equipment. Then you come to things like the stance and the setup. So let's talk about the feet um, uh, and the club face. So you could start, since you've already sort of gotten down that route, why don't you start mm -hmm. with the club face first, um, what they should be doing with the club face in, in a condition. And, again, we're talking greenside bunkers here. Uh, right. Not really a high you. lift. We'll, we'll talk about that, yeah, and then talk about yeah. the feet, what they should be doing with their feet. Okay. Real, it, it's, it's kind of real, real simple. One of the things that we see, we want, we want to take the, the lines on the face of the club, the grooves, or how we mm -hmm. want to look at this. So if I'm setting the club down square, those grooves are going to run directly away from me, straight ahead, back and forth. If I'm in the bunker, I want to lay the club open, not lay it back. I, we, we get some confusion out of some players when you say you want to open a club, and what they do, they'll move their hands back towards their right leg. And that right. shaft is leaning forward, but that think that's opening it up. Well, that's not correct. So what we want to do is take the lines of the club and make sure those face grooves point towards my left foot. So they're mm -hmm. going to go to pointing up the middle, and I want to rotate the club to where the grooves are running from my left foot to my back, towards the back, towards the right. Uh, all right, if you can envision that. So now, mm -hmm. straight in the middle, grooves are going to be aimed towards my left foot now. So it's open. It's been spun open, not laid open. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then, as far as the the feet is concerned, we want to be able to get the club moving across the ball a little bit. So I want my left foot back, or what we call an open stance, and the ball relatively on center to slightly forward of center because mm -hmm. the setup is I want to guarantee that the club is going to enter the sand 
behind the ball. Okay, so in order to do that, uh, the the bottom of my swing arc is slightly in front of the middle. Okay, so therefore I want the ball slightly in front of that bottom because I'm swinging at the bottom portion of my arc. I'm not swinging at the ball here. I'm going mm -hmm. to try to use the ballistics of the sand to move the ball out of the bunker. When I was a kid, I was taught that if you move the sand that's behind your ball out of the bunker, the ball's going to be in front of it. Mm -hmm. So you want to be aggressive. We'll talk about this a little bit later. You want to be aggressive, take that sand out of the bunker, and the ball has to be in front of it. It's like the ballistics of a, of a, of a, um, a gun shell. You know, it's got something to push it mm -hmm. out. So we want to use the ballistics of the sand to move the ball out. So that's why we got it slightly forward to the bottom of the arc. My left foot is back and open. The club face, because I want it to glide more through the sand, is laid with the grooves aimed towards my left foot. And what we want to make sure we do is we want to move the sand out of the bunker. And if you do that, you're going to make a pretty aggressive full swing. I see a lot of people that end up with that little bit of sand behind the ball still on their club face because they stop right there at impact. We want to throw that right. sand out of the bunker. Okay? Uh, throw it out of the bunker. That means you're going to go ahead and swing at it. You know, I was also taught, and I believe, that it's better to be in the bunker on the other side of the green than it is in the one you're in. Mm -hmm. Get it out of there. That's what we teach to begin with is I teach a person, just get it out of this bunker. If you can get where you can get it out of the bunker every time, then we'll worry about where it's going. But first right. order business is you got you got to get it out of the bunker. You know, and yeah, most exactly. people are not. Yeah, most people are a little timid. Well, and and, and see here, just to, to, to sort of quickly recap, the the idea here is with the bunker shot, the the objective here is as you said to hit the sand, not the ball first. So you want to Correct. the club really essentially glides through the sand. And the reason you take the precautions in the setup that, that you do, uh, and we'll talk about that as well a little bit, um, is you're, you want to certainly dig a certain amount into the sand because you need to get uh, essentially underneath the ball um, and allow the sand to, as you say, sort of propel the, the ball forward. Um, it will. But you have to open the club face a little bit and use the bounce. And one of the things, as you pointed out, and I think it's a great way to, to sort of visualize that, is to have those grooves when the, when the club face is open, um, that they're pointing towards your, your left foot. Uh, the other Correct. way to, to do that as well is to look at it is if the face, if, if it's square and it's pointing directly at the target, what it's now going to do with it open is it's going to point slightly right of your target. So that's another way to, to visualize it as well. So that sure. club face uh, the, is going to look uh, that. The thing too, uh, just one other thing pointed out, I don't think you mentioned it, but I know you, you, you thought of this is that when you're opening up the club face, um, as you said, don't lean the shaft back and, and open it that way. You want to actually turn it in your hand, and then you re-grip mm -hmm. the club. Uh, that's very Correct. important because we see a lot of players, too, where they'll say, okay, well, I, I know I'm not leaning the shaft back. I just got to open it, and they'll just turn their hands to the right think, okay, that's right. <laughs> but the problem with that is then when they go to follow through, their hands start to close again, and they're back to square. So just want to make sure that, right. and then again, as you said, an open stance, you want to do that, and it varies depending on the type of shot. If, it, if, the, if the pin is cut very close to where you are just on the other side of the bunker on the green, um, then you might want to have your stance slightly 
uh, more open than normal. If it's a little further, uh, if the pin's a little further, maybe the middle or even the other side of the green, you may even want to have your stance very slightly, maybe just uh, two, uh, between two yards, uh, you know, pointing left of the, of the target because you want to be able to, to get that distance. So there's a lot of factors involved in the stance and setup, and you definitely right. have to get in there uh, and, and practice it. But that's certainly a good start for our beginners and uh, beginning with a good club and beginning with a good setup. The other one, too, is you touched on this, was the ball position. Uh, should be, again, just forward uh, of center of where your, the bottom of your arc is, certainly up towards the front foot. doesn't have to be right off the front foot, but it's closer to the uh, front foot uh, to be able to make sure that, you're, again, you're going to take that sand. Now, as far as the hands, this is something, too, that we see uh, a lot of people, and I'm not talking about the grip. I'm talking about how the hands should be positioned. I personally think that uh, I like to grip down a little bit on the club with my hands because one of the other things that you're going to do typically in a bunker is you're going to, uh, you know, once you've taken your setup and you've got your feet open a little bit, you're going to kind of shimmy your feet, as I call it, a little bit. You're going to dig yourself to give it a solid base into the sand. So that means you're now going to lower yourself. Uh, your feet are going to be a little correct. further down than typical. So you want to compensate. So I, I believe, and again, it depends on how much you go down, I like to at least an inch to two inches I like to grip down for two reasons. One, that gets me on a proper uh, balance again with uh, my height distance from where the club is going to hit and where uh, my feet are in the ground, but also it helps me control the club a little bit more uh, when I'm not holding it up near the top. I've got it gripped down a little bit. It gives me a little bit more uh, club control. What are your thoughts here? Well, I, I, I can't disagree with you, but keep keep one thing in mind is that what I try to do with a, a beginner is I want to get them in a position that's going to guarantee that the club is going to enter the sand behind the ball. That's the first mm -hmm. thing. Because if they skin it and it slides out, I want them hitting that sand, and I want them to get the feel of the weight of the sand on their club and move it out of there, right? So by, by mm -hmm. shimming in or digging down, if we don't grip down too far, that's just another right. surety that I'm going to hit behind it because I have lowered. Mm -hmm. So I would, you say one to two inches, depends on the lie. If they're going to choke down, I always try to get a person to, to stay in their chipping and, and bunker play mid-grip. Okay? Mm -hmm. We don't need to be down on the very end of the grip, but we don't need to be on the top no. end because we don't need that much leverage. So if they put their hand kind of mid-grip where there's about an inch top of the club, depending on their hand size, about an inch top of the club, an inch or so at the bottom of their right hand or left hand, depending on their left hand, their bottom hand, is about equal distance from the bottom from the top. So that's going to get their hands about mid-grip. And that just gives them a real consistent way of getting set up, uh, which I agree mm -hmm. they don't need the full length. But I try to get a person to understand, I'm going to get you in every position I can, that when you swing that club back and through, it's going to make impact with the sand first. Right. And, yeah, the optimal and your responsibility is to move that sand out of that bunker. That's right. That's all your responsibility. The other thing, too, Clint, that I, I like to do, and, and you may agree or, or may have a different view on this, uh, you know, when you watch a lot of the tour players, you'll notice that they'll lower their center, uh, center of gravity a little bit. What I mean by that okay. is even though they're, you know, they've shimmied down the sand uh, a little ways, they also lower their body. Now, they're still in their po same posture, but they'll actually lower, they'll maybe have a little bit more knee flex. The reason why they're, they're doing this is, is really a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons they do this is typically in a normal setup for a lot of players, 
is in your backswing, it tends to be a little bit more upright, which you don't really want in a bunker shot because that's going to force you to come down too hard into the sand and a lot of times the club gets stuck, especially if you don't give it enough energy to follow through. So what I like right. to do with my students, and I watch a lot of pros do this as well, is to lower that center of gravity because now what that does, it forces me to swing on a slightly flatter plane than normal, which again assures that I'm not going to dig too deep in the sand. I certainly need to get into the sand, but not too deep. And even though the club right. is going to handle most of that, that still helps. I'd like to get your uh, thoughts on that is that something that you yeah. uh, often do as well and and go ahead well it it, it really you know kind of de depends on the individual is if they're already got a little bit of a flat swing if you're looking at their full swing we need to be careful right. with that because if you get too deep in the knee bend or the waist tilt I mean it that it, is really flat you know so it, it's kind of one mm -hmm. of those things I don't I don't disagree with you but I think it's more of an individual student to, to teacher that says, okay, you, you got a little bit more of an upright swing, so in these bunkers, you need to sit down a little bit. I agree. Mm -hmm. If I've already got a student that's got a little bit of a, a Hogan-esque kind of behind me swing, then I'm probably going to let them set up normal with it, okay? Um, right. Because we don't want to get it too shallow. So I, I think that those are kind of the, they're not, those are not quite generic, uh, in nature as far as how we position ourselves in a normal position, okay? So I think you just have to look at that one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Yep, good point. Um, yeah, so it, it really, it, it's like any golf shot, um, whether you're in the sand or you're not. It all boils down to, number one, you want to make sure you're selecting the right club. Number two, you want to make sure that you're setting up properly. You're getting in the proper posture, the proper uh, position, your stance is correct. Your, in other words, your overall setup is correct. Um, because the, the difference here, too, that people don't uh, realize, especially if they've never played before or haven't played very much, is unlike other shots, you can't ground or sole your club in, the, in a bunker. Uh, certainly, right. you know, if you're playing with your buddies and they're not really holding it to account, that's fine. But if in tournament play you can't do that, it's going to cost you a penalty. So, um, you know, you, don't get, you can't test the sand. You can't sort of rake the sand over to see how fluffy it is. So really you want to make sure that you're, to give yourself the best opportunity, you want to make sure that you do the things that we've just talked about to give yourself the, the highest percentage of success is the way I look at it. Um, of, well, of certainly without a doubt. The shot that, right, right. that you want to do. So if you do these steps in, in such a way uh, as we're discussing here tonight, that's going to give you the higher percentage of success of getting that ball out of the bunker. And, and again, depending on your level of play is – how aggressive you want to be. Obviously, um, for our real beginners, just getting it out of the bunker, uh, even if it doesn't make it all the way onto the green, if it just gets caught up in the fringe, that's still a good shot. Let's get it out of that's the bunker. Success. Uh, it, that's success, exactly. So you need to define what success for you. Uh, and that's important Correct. because, uh, again, and, and then obviously as the, as the skill level of the player becomes, they can be a little bit more aggressive and and uh, you know, make different adjustments to, to give them an opportunity to get the ball a little closer to their ultimate target, which is the hole. Um, so Correct. again, that's going to vary from player to player. Um, the other thing too is, and you touched on this earlier, and I think this is important uh, because we see this a lot. And we're going to talk about, uh, again, some different types of bunker shots that you're going to be faced with. But for a generic bunker shot that we're discussing here, the follow-through, uh, I think, is a killer for a lot of people. Um, maybe you can talk about what we're, what we're referring to here and why, if they're not following through, 
Uh, and again, this sort of generic bunker shot, what can potentially happen and why it happens? Well, let me, I'm going to back up just a little bit now. As, as mm -hmm. a former rules official, I hesitate to say mm -hmm. this, but I can <laughs> test the soil legally. Right. Okay? I'm going to dig my feet in, and I'm feeling that right. sand with my feet. I can tell you, okay? So just pay attention to the, the when you dig in, pay attention. It's not illegal to mm -hmm. pay attention. Okay. Right. It's it's illegal to take something and probe it, but I'm probing with my right. feet. That there's there's there you can pay attention. That's all you have to do. Okay. Now, as as far as the um, the the question about the follow through, is that to me it comes back to my primary objective. I have to move the sand out of the bunker. So that means mm -hmm. I have to complete my swing because if I stop the club and don't follow through, that sand's not coming out of the bunker. So I haven't mm -hmm. achieved it. So I try to, to get a person to feel like that there are basically three positions in a bunker shot. There's the, back, there's the setup, position one, get myself ready. Position two is a complete backswing, and a position three is I want the club and my hands to finish above my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's just take it back shoulder high, swing it through shoulder high. Now, that's the beginning of a, a bunker. You're very rarely ever going to hit a greenside bunker shot that you have to take the club further back than shoulder high. So that's the, the, the limit. But we have to hit those limits on both sides of the ball. So in order to get the sand to move out. So I want to take it shoulder high, finish shoulder high. And, you know, then it's just a matter of the bottom supporting that motion. So there's a little hip roll. you got to swing through it. You can't swing to it. Okay? And, and there's no other place in golf that is even more important to understand that little mantra. you got to swing through it, not to it. And because if you swing to it, you're going to get another chance in that same bunker. It's not coming out of there. All right, so if I swing through it, it's coming out. Uh, yep. And, you know, like I tell people, I said, I want you to watch the golf tournaments and show me how many times a tour player blades one out of a greenside bunker. Never. Right. But they swing aggressive because they know they're going to hit the sand. We're getting you all set up to give you that opportunity. If I get you set up properly on a greenside bunker, you're going to have to do something really funny not to hit the sand behind that ball. Mm -hmm. So then you just got to go ahead and, you know, take the chances, get it out of there. So swing through it, not to it, is just a really, to me, is a very simple thing to think about. And, or use the shoulder high, shoulder high idea, whichever one clicks with you. But you have to have that shoulder high to shoulder high, shoulder high going back, shoulder high coming through. That will help you set up that idea of swing through it, not to it. Yep. And, and even if in this particular case, as I mentioned, even if the, the, the hole is cut closer to where you are and the bunker, yes. even if the ball ends up going past, it doesn't matter. You're out of the sand. Uh, you're now on the green uh, or certainly in proximity of it, depending on how where you are positioned. But, um, you know, that's going to put you in a good position. Now you can pull the putter out of the bag and you've got a, yeah, a, you a much greater chance. Yeah. Of, right. You use the right, you hit the next shot with your putter. Not, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Right. 
Now, somebody, you know, often we get this question, and, and again, I'd like to get your, your feedback on this. People ask, okay, well, what about wrist hinge and so forth? So, okay, I'm taking my backswing. You know, do, am I cocking my wrist a little bit differently than I would for a typical golf shot because I want to, I need to, to get that club up quickly in the backswing, especially, um, you know, obviously if, if you're in a sort of a flat uh, uh, bunker shot where you don't really have high lips on, on front or back, uh, you know, that, that's not going to be maybe applicable. But if I've got, let's say, if I'm near the back of the bunker and I've got a high lip behind me, obviously I'm going to need to pick, pick the, the club up a little quicker so I don't hit the sand going up. Um, but what about in a flat, uh, typical flat bunker shot? Um, is there any little bit more wrist hinge involved or, or not? Is it just basically let's turn it back, uh, get it up to, well, to the shoulder height, and then turn it through? What, what are your thoughts here? Well, again, here <laughs> we're me. talking about, you know, maybe not quite the accomplished player. I don't want to make mm -hmm. this bunker shot complicated for them. So what I mm -hmm. try to get them to do is think about presetting whatever hinge you're going to have. Let's preset it just a little bit. A little bit more of a maybe a little bit more of a shaft lean uh, than they mm -hmm. normally would have in their regular shot. A little shaft lean, club face is going to be open. And what I try to get them to feel like is I want them to swing the club to where the club stays behind the ball all the time. So if they mm -hmm. do that, the club's going to get a little bit more vertical. Okay. So I don't really get into trying to teach somebody to get the club more vertical. I just want them to feel like that the club face stays behind the ball. Mm -hmm. It doesn't drop inside it, and it doesn't go outside it. It just stays right behind the ball. And that gives them, that gives them a little bit more of a vertical swing plane than they, they might normally have. And it's not by trying to hinge their hands or get funky ideas with that. It's a matter of what I want to do with the club face. Well, I want it open. I want my hands hinged a little bit more forward, and I want to keep the club face behind the ball. And that gets them what, we're, what you're talking about. It achieves the objective. Right. Right, exactly. And, and, and again, with a proper setup and getting yourself in the position, really what happens at this point is you're allowing the club really to do its job. If you do all of the steps that we're right. talking about in, in the correct fashion, the club is going to do the work, just like in any other shot, and even more so in a bunker shot. And I think this is, again, where people try to, like, trying to get the ball airborne. They're trying to force They're trying to flip it open. Uh, to get that, that ball airborne, and really you need to just let the club do its job. The sand wedge, uh, which of course uh, has been around for, for a long time, um, is designed specifically for that purpose, to help uh, get the, the ball out of the, out of the sand. So uh, use the, the bounce and use the, the club face uh, open and so forth uh, to help you be able to do that. Now we're going to change it up a little bit. Uh, because, again, we're not always going to get a nice, uh, perfect lie in a bunker shot. We're going to get faced uh, with uh, what we call sometimes a, a fried egg where the ball's sitting down a little bit. Uh, it's not uh, plugged. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but it's, it looks like a fried egg. Um, what do we do differently in a, a case like that? Again, greenside bunker, uh, but now we've right. got a fried egg lie where the ball's sitting a little bit down. Uh, we can still see it, but it's sitting a little bit. Uh, it's created a little fried egg pattern if you will, in the sand. Yeah, a little, do we do anything different here? In a, yeah, like, yeah, a little bit. Uh, a little bit. It's more of a, a crater around the ball. We've got a little, right. got a little uh, crater. And that probably is the most difficult gr bunker shot, regardless whether it's green side or not, that you'll encounter. And what I try to do there, a lot of it, because if the ball is going to crater like that, it's most likely in some fairly loose, properly mm -hmm. maintained bunker sand. 
So it's not going to be in a hard bunker. Okay. So what we know there is that the ball is not going to have any backspin on it coming out of that bunker. So we need to give some thought to, in my opinion, of hitting some bit of a little bit of a chunk and run. Um, we want to chunk the ball out, just get it out of the bunker. If it just barely clears the lift, it's fine because it's going to turn over and run. It's going to go much further than just your run-of-the-mill uh, flat ground bunker shot. So a lot of times there, I will use a different type of wedge, and I want to tow, I don't want to lay the club face open so much because what's going to happen if I do, it's going to hit that sand behind the ball, it's going to bounce, and by the time the club gets to where the ball's sitting, it most likely has come through the sand, and I'm going to belly that ball. Right. Okay. So I need the club to dig a little bit more than what I would in my normal bunker shot. So instead of letting the, the grooves on the club lean towards my left foot, I'm going to keep it almost standard where it's running mostly right up the middle. So I'm going to take some of the bounce off of the club to where it will dig a little more and go ahead and be aggressive. Again, here, that's where that sand will propel the ball out, but it's going to propel it out with no spin. So you can hit a little bit of a chunk and run, let it roll more. But here's where we're going to take some of the bounce off the club, not put bounce on it. And go ahead and make your, make your normal bunker shot. Don't make it fancy. Let's use the club and, and, and manage it to do what we want it to do. And in this particular case, we want it to dig just a little bit more than normal, but we still have to stay aggressive. Right. And we see a lot of times in, in, in the next scenario where the ball is actually plugged in the sand. Um, quite often we'll see this, typically you'll see this when it's closer, uh, either right near the lip or in the upslope or even downslope uh, of the bunker, mm -hmm. you'll see where it actually gets buried somewhat in the sand. Uh, again, this is going to require a slightly different technique. Let's set up for that uh, for success on a, in a, a plug lie, if you will. Okay. To me, the, uh, of the two, a purely plugged ball, unless it's just mm -hmm. in a, a horrible location in the bunker, we know exactly what that ball is going to do. Okay, mm -hmm. it's going to if you hit behind it, that sand is packed so tight around that ball, it's going to pop it out of the bunker. It's coming out of there. So if you think mm -hmm. the tighter the sand is around that ball, and if you get anywhere close to that sand, the ballistics of that sand tapped around that ball tightly is going to pop it out. It's coming out of there. If you just go ahead, let the club dig a little bit, take the bounce off, let the club dig in behind it, and it'll pop out. And if you try this, you know, you can get in the bunker and step on one and try it. You'll notice that when that ball gets airborne, it'll look like a knuckleball. It's not going to have any spin on it. It's going to be kind of floating. But when it hits the ground, watch it. It's going to hit the ground running. Okay? <laughs> so in those particular – okay? I mean, it's just what it's going to do. So to me, that is the most predictable bunker shot you can get for the average player because if you tow the club down, get those lines running at you, and if you'll just hit behind it with some speed, it's going to pop out of there, and it's, it's, it'll run up on the green. It may run over the green, but it's, it's going to pop out of there. So – Using the idea of the ballistics of the sand to move the ball, that is where you get the ultimate ballistic effect is when the sand's packed so tight around the ball that you can hit within six inches of it, it'll probably come out, just mm -hmm. the, the nature of the ballistics of the sand. So just plan on it running a long way, 
take the toe of the club, turn it in a little bit where the lines are running directly away from you again, and and let that club dig and let the ballistics of the of the nature of the sand in the ball uh, help you get it out of there. Yeah, and you're not in a case like this. You're not following, especially if it's if it's close to the lip. You're not following through the same as you would before. If you notice, a lot of players no. will kind of hold off a little bit uh, because in many cases you can't follow through just because of of where That's it's located. Um, but uh, again, as you said, the the, the pure uh, force, if you will, of of hitting that sand, even if it's a couple of inches behind or more, uh, is is going to again uh, propel that golf ball out. And again, with no spin it's going to get some traction and move. Uh, but that's okay. You're still out of the sand. That's right. Uh, there's, that's some, right. there's some other scenarios that we might be faced with. Um, you know, again, sometimes, as you mentioned, uh, the sand might be nice and fluffy and well-maintained, uh, but there's a lot of courses out there that don't have uh, as good of conditions in the bunker. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, the firm is naturally a little bit harder, or maybe they're just not you know, keeping it as maintained. Um, right. And you get some hard pack sand. So what do we do in a case like that? Well, then the bounce of the club, <clears throat> excuse me, the bounce of the club becomes really important here, and how you position the club face at address becomes real important. Because if you get a hard pack sand, it's obvious that the bounce of that club, or the you know the bounce, is going to bounce more. It's going to hit it and come up, right? So. That's, mm-hmm. It's not going to glide through as much. So we have to be careful of, of the bounce. And that's why I like the idea of a 10-degree bounce wedge because you can take a little bit of that off. But it really just comes down to the fact that if you get a hard pack bunker, you're probably going to have to get a little bit better skill level because you're going to need to hit the sand <clears throat> a little bit more precise in that type of bunkers than you do maybe with a, a little bit more fluffy sand. Because we we've got to if we hit a couple of inches behind a bunker a ball in the bunker with a firm sand, it's going to bounce and already be elevated by the time it gets to the ball. So we right. want to make sure that we we set up with the ball maybe a little bit more towards the center of our stance, mm-hmm. and we want to try to catch right. the ball catch the sand a lot closer to the ball to where it's still descending when it gets to the ball versus already made its bottom and bounced up out of that sand too soon. So we're going to move the ball back right. in our stance a little bit. We're going to not use quite as much of a, a laying of the club open as we normally would, but still making the same basic type of stroke from, you know, start to finish. So it's all about it's right. all about position of the club and position of the ball that will make that more effective. You know, and, and I think this is really, Clint, what a lot of amateur golfers, particularly and, and obviously our beginning golfers, struggle with is, they see the bunker, the ball gets in there, and they think every bunker shot's exactly the same. And it's really uh-huh. about understanding how to approach it. So just like if you have a ball, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me, if it's uh, you know smack dab in the middle of the fairway uh, or it's in the rough, there's going to be two different, entirely different reactions to how the golf ball is going to react. Obviously, in a tight Correct. fairway, if you hit a clean shot, uh, you're going to get a little more spin. If it's a, a fluffier ball in, in deeper, thicker grass, uh, you're not going to get the same spin. So, uh, again, knowing how to set up properly and how to, um, you know, prepare yourself, if you will, before you actually hit the shot um, is going to make a world of difference. And the same thing applies in the bunker. And, and again, I think the same applies in this particular scenario. Uh, again, it comes down to technique. You can talk maybe a little bit about this. Sometimes, um, you know, we get a little bit of rain uh, maybe in the oh, early yeah. morning or what have you, and you get out there 
and now you've got uh, some wet sand. Um, how does that factor in? Well, I think that it, obviously it just firms it up. I mean, and you had the sand's a little heavier because it's, wa- mm-hmm. it's got water in it, so you have to maybe swing a little bit more aggressively, swing a little bit harder. Uh, but unless the golf course has got inside-outside irrigation on their greens, it's pretty much a guarantee mm-hmm. when, they, when they start having to, to put water on the greens is early in the morning those bunkers are going to be a little wet because that irrigation system is going 360. Um, yep. You know, so some golf courses, what we call in and out, that the, the they're just watering the greens; they don't go to the outside. And but yeah, I mean those things you have to adjust to. And here's the thing, uh, and this may be a little bit off off of it right now, is that what concerns me the most is we put bunkers on the golf course and don't build something that our members and customers can have at the practice area to learn how to play out of them. <laughs> Right. You know, we we put bunkers out there, but no practice bunker. Uh, you know, so mm-hmm. bunker play, you have to practice these things and try to find the different scenarios to practice. The best players in the world do. They 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 try the bunkers at each golf course are different, so they spend a lot of time mm-hmm. in those bunkers trying to figure out how the sand is going to react, and they try different scenarios. But if the bunker, if the sand, back to the original question, if the if the bunkers are wet. To me, that plays very similar to a firm firm sand bunker. It's just heavier. It's going to be firmer. The club is going to the the, the ball the club is going to bounce a little sooner. So you just have to move the ball back to the center, and not let the bounce be quite as much of a factor. Yep, uh, great points. And, and again, it all it all boils down to preparation, technique, and not being afraid. Uh, you know, to be somewhat aggressive. Um, again, we often see amateurs getting stepping into the bunker, and it's almost like they get a little skittish. They, you know, they do a pretty decent backswing, and they've set up okay, but then all of a sudden they just stop into the sand, and the ball doesn't go anywhere. The sand doesn't go anywhere. The ball doesn't go anywhere. So you can't be afraid. I think, I think what happens with a lot of them, and I think, again, it becomes a psychological thing, is they're worried about blading it, especially if there's a lot of trouble in around the green. Maybe there's water over there or, or other bunkers, right. and they're worried about thin, you know, hitting it the uh, in the belly, as you say, or, or you know, thinning it over, uh, so they're, uh, you know, they're afraid to give it a good swing. But again, you're hitting the sand, not the ball. Um, Correct. And if you do that correctly, um, the ball's not going to fly over the green. If you've mm-hmm. opened up the club faces, we talked about, and that it's not going to, you know, go flying over the green. If you're not setting up properly and not using the proper techniques then you're going to run in the issue where you're going to make a mistake like that. So, again, bunker shots, as you point out at the very beginning, you're exactly right. It's probably one of the easiest shots uh, because now you're hitting the sand first uh, and not the ball. Um, and you could be a little bit more aggressive with that shot. And, again, with a little bit of practice and, and uh, understanding the proper techniques, you become a very proficient uh, bunker player where any situation that you're faced with, whether it's uh, you know, a perfect lie or it's plug lie or a fried egg or what have you, um, by practicing those different uh, variety of shots, uh, you're going to be very proficient coming out of the bunker. And the next time you get out in your golf course and the ball goes into the bunker, you're not going to be fearful of it. And you're going to be able to step into, into that bunker with confidence. Um, I want to touch on well, one you, more. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, I want to say, you no. know, the, the, the typically the thing that happens to the person that, that is, has fear of the bunkers, that's just where their ball ends up. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> karma, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! But no, you're absolutely right. I, I think that, and particularly the the people who are listening, if you 
if you don't have a practice bunker, encourage your local club to build one somewhere. It doesn't have to be around the putting green, but just where you can go, you know, gain a little confidence. But, again, I didn't say this. When you go out to play and there's nobody around, drop a couple of balls in the bunker and practice a little bit. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to be too upset about that. But I didn't tell no, you to I've, do that. I've done, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't hear that. It's only on it's only on a recorded uh, broadcast, but don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, sure, that's okay. Don't blame me. That's but awesome. no, no, you're no, you're exactly right. You and it's like anything we've talked about over the years. You've got to practice. Now you're going to have a different scenario here. Um, there's other bunkers that you might be faced with. You may not be uh, facing with a, a greenside bunker, but maybe a fairway bunker, and that's a whole different kettle of fish because now right. uh, you know distance becomes a premium, um, and here. Um, you're, you're really doing things a little bit differently. Um, we don't have to that's get right. into all the different scenarios, but generally what are you trying to do in a fairway bunker that's typically, or, or even uh, some cases you might see what might be uh, a wasteland, if you will, or uh, sure. looks like a bunker, but it's not, especially in the Carolinas. Uh-huh. We see a lot of that in the golf courses where that's maybe right. hole one side of the, of the hole uh, looks like a giant bunker, but it's not really. It's, it's just a, a, a sort of a waste uh, area, if you will. How do, we, how do we play out of something like that? Well, yeah, you're right. Here in the Carolinas, both South Carolina and North Carolina, that you know the 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 sand hills are exactly what they are. Um, well, first of all, we, we're talking about just like a full swing type uh, play. Then mm-hmm. I'm going to play that very similar, if not exactly the way I would play a normal shot out of the fairway. The one thing mm-hmm. I see people do, which I think is uh, interesting, is that they'll walk into that fairway bunker and they'll dig in. Yeah. All right. Now, what did we just discuss about digging in what that was going to help me to do? And that was going to help Mm -hmm. me hit behind the ball. Now, so if they want to dig in, your point of choking down on the club becomes extremely important on fairway bunkers because I don't Mm -hmm. want to hit behind the ball. I want to hit the ball first now. Okay, so if I want to Mm -hmm. dig in and feel more comfortable with that, I certainly want to choke down on the club to adjust for the amount of digging in I, I've done. I think if you watch on television, you'll see them dig in some, but very little. They'll, they'll try right. to particularly get their trailing foot a little bit into the sand. Not necessarily their forward foot, but that trailing foot mm-hmm. that's going to help them be stable on the backswing is in a little bit, but you'll also probably notice that they showed that they choked down on the club a little bit. So again here, mm-hmm. it's the full swing mentality Grab the club you need. I like to see a person, if, they're, if they've got a 7-iron shot, maybe take the 6-iron and not try to hit mm-hmm. it so hard. You're not going to hit your best 7-iron out of there. Uh, so try to take a little extra club, maybe not swing, swing quite so full or hard, maybe three-quarter kite shots. But most importantly, don't overdo the digging in because that's going to guarantee you're going to hit it fat. Guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Dig in that trail foot a little bit for stability, and if you do, just choke down a little bit, play the three-quarter shot, you know, uh, that you have, and uh, go about your business normally. I don't think there's anything that fancy about those shots. Now, if you get into the fact of where you've got this 50-yarder, that cross bunker on a par five, then we've got a, a little different story. Yeah, and, and, and again, with, with the fairway bunkers, it's opposite to your typical bunker shot is now you're, you're wanting to pick the ball clean, uh, essentially, Correct. out of that bunker. You're not wanting to dig into the sand. So you're exactly right. Uh, and if you do, as you said, if you dig in a little bit, um, 
you know, certainly is not a problem. You certainly don't want to dig in as much as you would a, fair, or a, a greenside bunker, uh, but it's okay just to, if, if you feel that it's not stable and you need to dig in a little bit, I think certainly as you suggest the pros might dig their trail foot in a little bit more, certainly not their front foot because they want to be able to, to get onto that side um, and not feel like they're stuck in the sand. Uh, but then you have to adjust uh, accordingly with your grip and gripping down a little bit. And, and here, Correct. the other thing too is if you watch <clears throat> really closely on these longer fairway bunker shots, is you'll notice that the players, even though they might take a, a three-quarter or slightly more backswing, their legs are much more, um, they're not as much movement in their lower body as typically would out of a fairway shot. Um, and that's mm -hmm. because, again, they're trying to pick that, they're trying not to move because the sand moves. So in other words, if, if they're going into a full backswing or a three-quarter swing, they're, they're certainly not locking their, their legs, they're certainly not being rigid, but you'll notice that they don't turn quite as, uh, or certainly move because they don't want to slide in the bunker, they don't want to get a situation where suddenly now they've shifted too much weight in their lower body mm -hmm. and dig even further in the sand, and that, again, throws them off kilter a little bit. So Correct. I always say, you know, if you watch... One of the best things to do, if you ever get a chance, and I'm talking, of course, to the listeners out there, we both know this. If you have never been to a, whether it be a PGA or an LPGA event or even uh, some of your other local professional events that may be going on in your area, I strongly suggest <clears throat> excuse me, that you go and watch these guys, not just play on the golf course, but particularly watch them warm up. Uh, because most of the warm-ups you're going to see them certainly hit some balls off the, off the, the range, uh, but you'll see them putting on the greens, and you'll see them working out of the bunkers and things like that. That is a great opportunity to really watch the technique and how these guys and gals do it. Uh, and that's going to help you. Certainly working with your coach or your teaching professional uh, is, is certainly a, a, a premium. I strongly suggest if you're not working with somebody that you reach out to your local PGA or LPGA professional and, and, uh, and, and connect with them. But go to a, a professional event and go to the practice area and watch these uh, folks uh, work and get prepared for their rounds because you will see exactly they'll go through their whole pre-shot routine they'll go through everything it needs to do and they'll execute those shots and you can pick up a lot of tips from doing that and then that makes a great discussion for when you're back on the lesson tee with your uh, swing instructor so I strongly suggest doing that and I think Clint really as we said in the beginning I think the bunker shots uh, can be very very easily golf certainly can be difficult we, we both concur that but I think of all the golf shots, I think you're exactly right. I think the bunker shots are among the easiest, certainly the easiest shot in all of golf. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that um, if what I encourage people to do as well is that there's, there's several different types of bunker wedges and stuff. I try to make the same type of bunker swing with re regardless of which and how far I need the ball to go. And I mm -hmm. try to dictate trajectory and distance with the club I choose. Right. If I've got to go got to go up and short, I lay the club open more. If I got to go longer, you know, and lower, I maybe go to my 54 versus my 58 because I'm going to get a little lower trajectory and the ball's not going to spin as much as it runs out. So what I encourage people to do to begin with is they learn to play bunker shots, have their bunker swing and then try to dictate how the ball reacts with that swing based on how you position the ball and how you position the club. Uh, mm -hmm. And therefore, you begin to develop that real aggressive, complete full swing that you're going to use every time that you can gain some confidence in 
and then you alter your shots. Just to, to me, it's no different than having a full swing. And if you're 110 yards away, you use a wedge. If you're 160, you use a six iron. You're just yep. changing well things said. to get a different reaction. Okay, same thing. Yeah, and one last thing I'm going to add uh, for, for the listeners out there. Um, you may find yourself in this scenario, and there's certainly nothing wrong. I've had to do this occasionally uh, when I've played. Um, you may find it, and it's regardless of whether you're at a fairway bunker or, or at a greenside bunker, uh, if you find yourself in a position where you just don't feel comfortable, for instance, if you find yourself uh, near a, a severe uh, upslope, um, whether the ball is plugged in or whether it's regular uh, standard bunker shot, but you don't feel that you're going to be able to get over that lip, uh, you just don't feel confident, look for other options. Look to see if I play it out to the right or to the left, as long as you're not going to put yourself in other trouble. Um, don't be afraid, especially in a fairway bunker. I've seen lots of times you get some of these fairway bunkers, the uh, architect gets a little aggressive when they're designing it, and they put this great big lip, and the guy has you know a six or five or six iron shot to the green, and, but he's got this big lip in front. He knows he's not going to be able to clear that lip because he just isn't an accomplished player. Um, play it out. Play it out to the side a little bit. Play it to the left or right, depending on the situation you're in, and just get it back and play. Um, advance the ball whenever possible, but if you just can't do it, um, if you're going to end up in – because the, the, the other thing, Clay, uh, Clint, sorry, that uh, we find is that if they're not confident in hitting that shot, more often than not, they're going to end up leaving it in the bunker anyway. So I would rather, again, the optimal uh, option here is to get it out of the bunker uh, any way possible. And I think sometimes you have to assess the situation and do what you feel you're most comfortable and give you the greatest chance of success of ultimately getting it out of the bunker is your number one goal. Thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's perfect. I mean, the primary objective here okay, is get the ball out of the bunker you're in. What, what's going to give me the guarantee? That's just like every shot that you hit. I just want to give myself the best chance I can to be successful with it. That's ball position, club selection, you know, thought process. Give myself the best chance. And so in this particular case, we need to add one thing to that, is our success at early going is out of the bunker. Mm-hmm. You know, so primary objective, get the ball out of the bunker. Guaranteed, just like you said, if I got a big lip in front of me and I'm 160 yards away, I'm not going to get my six iron up over that that lip. So I just need no. to play a club, get it over the lip, get it out of the bunker, and then and then maybe trust my next shot to get me a little closer to the hole. But uh, yeah, this has been—I mean, it's been a great show. I'm, I mean, I, I I really enjoy talking about bunker play because t- there's just so many people that don't get into it. They they yeah, they just think that well, sooner or later I'm gonna get in one and be okay, but I'm gonna do my best just to avoid being in them. <laughs> and we all know that doesn't work 100% of the time. So uh, any time that we can help a person have some better idea of how to play the, those shots that they very rarely play, if you think about it, in around the guy, yeah. it's, a, it's a minority shot, okay? Uh, anytime we can help them understand how to, how to do that minority shot that they have, um, I, I think it's beneficial to their game altogether. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's like karma. It, you know, if you're somebody that doesn't practice those types of shots, you can almost be assured if you're playing on a course somewhere that has a lot Without of bunkers, a doubt. you're going to you're going to find yourself. It's like a magnet. It just your ball seems oh, to yeah. go right there to that bunker, and uh, we've all been there. I you know I had that uh, here a month or so ago when I went to Pinehurst and uh, played on on some of the courses there, and and uh, you know I, I I'm guilty myself. I don't always practice the, the bunker shots as much, and 
Lord uh, only knows I found myself in a few, but uh, you know, I w- drew on my, my uh, experience and my memory and I was able to, uh, to get out okay. But you know, again, these are things, it's like any shot, you've got to practice it, but particularly shots like this, even though you may only get into a bunker once or twice around if you're lucky, um, sometimes not even all, uh, depending on the course, but it's good to know that you have confidence getting it in and out. So real quick, uh, just a, a very brief uh, recap, if you will, just for as we get ready to close off. So sure. you want to find a good, a good sand wedge, and if you're not sure which one is good for you, uh, talk to your local uh, professional. Go into your pro shop. Go into um, and talk with your pro and just say, look, I need to get a good sand wedge and help them uh, get you one, have it custom fit, make sure it's got plenty of bounce on it, make sure it's the right degrees for you. Um, when you're setting up, make sure that you're lining your feet. This is, again, for a standard bunker shot. Obviously, some of the other ones, you might make some adjustments. But for a standard bunker shot, uh, when conditions are, are relatively perfect, um, you want to line your feet up a little bit left of the target. You want to lay uh, your club slightly open. Again, you want to turn the club first, then regrip it. You don't want to lean the shaft back, as Clint pointed out, uh, to the right. So you want to turn it slightly to the right so that the grooves are now pointing towards your left foot. And uh, the club face is actually, as it's laying open, is actually pointing slightly to the right of your target. You know it's open correctly. Uh, you want to sling the, the club along, along your line of your feet. Uh, and you want to hit anywhere from one to two inches behind the ball. Again, depending on the circumstances, you're taking the sand with it. You're not hitting the ball. You're hitting the sand on a greenside bunker shot, obviously the opposite for a fairway bunker. And most importantly, you want to follow through to a finish just like any other shot. So I think if you follow those tips and you get in there in those bunkers and practice, the next time you find yourself in one out in the golf course, uh, you're going to find that you're going to be able to get out with success. And as you practice and become a little bit more proficient with those shots, uh, then you're going to get into a situation where um, you're going to be able to control them a little bit more and find that um, you might get closer to the hole. As opposed to just getting to the fat part of the green, you may be able to be a little bit more aggressive and get uh, closer to the hole. So uh, I think if we do those, uh, Clint, I think if they follow those instructions, I think they're going to have success uh, getting in and out of the bunker. What do you think? Oh, without a doubt, you've hit it on it perfectly. And I'll add this, is there's, you can either, there, there's two words that you have to, to deal with in bunker shots. One is fear. The other one is your friend. Mm-hmm. We don't want to fear the sand because the sand's our friend. It, we're going to use that sand to get it out of that hole you're in because, you know, if you really want to make that shot hard, they just dug a hole and left nothing in it. You know, so <laughs> utilize the sand. It's your friend. It's put in there to help you get it out of that hole. You don't fear the sand. You use it as your friend to be successful with the shot you have. And leave it with that. I mean, you've hit on everything else quite well, but I always have looked to try to convince the person, hey, that sand in there is your friend. If you really want to get into a a real difficult bunker, a much more difficult bunker or hole that somebody's dug is one that's got long grass in it. That's a hard shot. But if you view mm-hmm. that sand as your friend, then you're going to be successful. Not Don't fear it. Use it as a friend. You'll be good. And we'll leave the grass bunker for another discussion another day. Another day. Uh, Clint, <laughs> another day. Yeah, another day. Another day, another topic on Coach's Corner. Well, Clint, I want to thank you, as always, for coming on and having uh, a great welcome. discussion. I always, I always appreciate yeah. it. And um, uh, just, again, um, let the folks know if they want to reach out, sure. the best way that they can do that. And uh, if there's anything that uh, you want to quickly plug, anything going on that you want to let them know sure. about, yeah, so every, go ahead. Oh, there's always a lot going on, Ted. I always appreciate it. We have fun. And, 
and hopefully we've helped, helped some of the listeners with what they're doing over the years. But uh, they can drop me an email at clintgoff001 at yahoo.com. Uh, go to the third, the third Shot Facebook page. We're always on there. I'm a big believer in the, the theory of the make sure you're good at your third shots, and that, that's what we like to be able to do. And uh, just look forward to the next, maybe another month from now, we'll do it again and uh, look forward to it. All right. Clint, happy 4th. Have a great holiday weekend. Be safe, my you friend. Too. And I look forward to seeing you uh, here on the next uh, Coach's Corner. Have a great one. All right. You're welcome. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was Clint Wright uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. And uh, before I bring out my special guest, uh, we'll take a quick break and a message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, don't forget to go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe. You can get both the print and or digital version or both, uh, depending on, on what your preference is. But go to golftipsmag.com, check out the website, a lot of great tips on there, a lot of great interesting articles, and of course you can subscribe right from the website if you choose uh, and get either the print or uh, digital editions, whichever you prefer, or you can get both. It makes a great gift as well. Uh, with the 4th of July coming up and uh, maybe some birthdays coming up as well. It makes a great gift uh, uh, for that golfer in, in your family. So um, on that note, I want to bring on, speaking of golf, we've got a great discussion coming up with um, a gentleman by the name of Drew Kohler. He's uh, the co-founder and head of business development at Blue Tees Golf. Uh, they're a rapidly growing company that produces golf uh, range finders and other accessories. Uh, he is responsible for commercial operations, which includes go-to market strategies, customer success, and sales force design. Uh, in addition, he is accountable for the hiring of executive uh, leadership roles, such as chief marketing officer, uh, chief strategy officer, as well as peripheral positions. Uh, he has been instrumental in creating an action plan that outlines how uh, Blue Tea uh, Golf has uh, targets its customers and uh, helps to grow the company. And with his uh, assistance, uh, Blue Tees Golf is the second largest range fighter brand at uh, Green Grass and Retail. So please welcome my very special guest this evening on Golf Talk Live, Drew Kohler. Good evening, Drew, oh, wow, and welcome to Golf a, Talk Live. Ken, <laughs> that was thank a you hole. for the overly flattering uh, introduction, my man. I appreciate it. How are you doing this evening? I'm, I'm doing very well. I had to... T- I actually had to take an extra deep breath before I did that. There was uh, so many accolades there that I had to build out. So, uh, But w- welcome, my friend, and I appreciate you taking time. And, and I know as we're getting ready to, to roll into a long weekend, everybody's got plans and uh, busy lives. So I really appreciate you taking time and, and spending some time with me tonight and, and, of course, my audience. So thank you for that. Oh, my my pleasure. I, uh, I truly appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to uh, having, a, having a discussion this evening. Well, that's good. So... All right, so every idea, I guess, starts with a problem. And um, yours was really simple, and I'm talking about blue tees. 
you yeah. guys looked at, uh, there's obviously a lot of uh, competition out there, and, and certainly you wanted mm-hmm. to um, find a way to really attack this market because there's a lot of premium quality golf products that are out there but are very expensive. And especially in recent years where golf has suddenly gotten a shot in the arm, no pun intended, um, you know, we're getting a lot of new people coming to the game. Uh, and one of the, one of the issues or concerns is that, you know, it's, it's, an, it's traditionally been a very expensive ga- a game or sport to be involved with. And you guys wanted to provide good quality products but a more affordable price. So what was sort of the thought process behind that? Um, I know you've come in uh, from other business experiences, Nat, so you bring a lot of experience into this brand. But what was really, mm-hmm. what was sort of the, 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 the overall concept when you came in and you started looking at what was out there in the market? Yeah. What was your first thoughts and how did you guys decide, okay, this is what we want to do, this, as opposed to just sort of throwing something out in the market? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an awesome question. Um, I, uh, I was living in San Francisco at the time, um, with one of my childhood best friends. Uh, he was doing, um, venture debt and banking and, and his background was in the finance world. And my background was in, you know, go to market consulting and, and helping, uh, organizations grow revenue. And we were in our corporate jobs and we had a little bit of discretionary spending. And so we picked up golf and we loved it. And we got good enough at that point in time to, in our opinion, warrant a distance measuring device. You know, we thought, hey, a distance measuring device would be great, could shave a few strokes off of our game. And this is back in 2018. Um, and the range of market from then to now is, has severely changed. But in 2018, when we were looking at the market, we saw the super, super high-end $400, $500 models out there, exceptional quality, right. um, performance beyond, you know, candidly what we needed, right? It, it wasn't going to fix my, my duck hook or my slice or prevent me from right. knocking the ball off the tee, right? And so right. You know, we're like, you know, not, not, for, not for us right now. And so uh, we then looked at the, the lower end and we bought one. We each bought one off of Amazon, $99. Um, I think maybe one was 110 and they broke immediately. And so we yeah. saw a gap at least in 2018 in the market to say, wow, there's something here. And then we did a bunch of data analysis. And I don't want to bore you with the details, but we essentially realized, and we might have been blissfully ignorant at the time, but there could be a market here. And so we called a third friend uh, who we grew up with, who was an industrial designer by trade. And I'll I'll get to kind of the the point here in a second. I know it's a bit Mm long-winded, but um, we said, there's something here. We can build a really high-quality rangefinder, we can make sure it's a great value to price ratio, right? Not inexpensive by any means because you get what you pay for, but not overly expensive. We could find a nice middle ground here. But let's do something that we hadn't seen other technology companies do at the time. And let's differentiate, not on a feature base, because rangefinders, laser rangefinders are are, are pretty simple, right? They're measuring a distance. Mm -hmm. But let's differentiate on style and let's create a brand behind it. And so long-winded way of saying, you know, it was through playing and we saw an opportunity and we took a chance and it's one of the best chances I think that we've taken today. Oh, what a fantastic uh, response, by the way. Uh, I want to go back to, um, because I found this really, really interesting, you know, reading through some of the notes as as I prepared for this evening. 
And what was really interesting, just to go back, what you talked about, you know, here you guys got together, you, you fell in love with the game and, and wanted to explore mm-hmm. things a little bit further. So you guys went out and bought some, some range finders and, and uh, off, offline. And what I found was really, <laughs> in a few short weeks, it broke. Basically, the eyepiece popped off. And as you guys yep. put it, you gave it a mulligan. Um, you gave it a mulligan yep. and said, okay, I'm going to buy a different range finder. And I really like this one. It was rinse and repeat, same story. It broke pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, you guys, you know, here, here's what I think the, the point that I want to get to, and I think this is so important because this is really what you guys have done so well. It's not just a matter of creating a product and it, it looks great and it performs well. You, you got and understood that there's a lot of different levels of golfers out there. You've got people that have been playing for years, very high caliber golfers, um, certainly they want to play the best and, you know, they want to do the best. They want to go to the best courses, what have you. Um, they've earned it through the play of their game. Then you've got folks that are just starting out and then you've got others that are sort of somewhere fallen somewhere between. And so for somebody that's just come into the game or somebody that's maybe played for a short period of time is not wanting at that point to certainly make a, a substantial investment. But at the same time, they want to be able to have some of the perks, if you will, of some of the equipment that's available out there, some of the technology that's available, but they want to not have to break the bank uh, or make a huge investment because who knows where their golf game is going to go. Maybe down the road they might look at doing something like that. So you guys, as you said, you yes. found a niche in the market um, for especially some of the younger uh, you know, guys and gals coming into this game and said, look, we yep. need, there's a market here, there's a big void in this market, um, nothing wrong with the guys up here or the guys down here, but there's a big gap here, and there's a lot of people that are in yep. that gap. Am I reading it right? 100%. 100%. You know, it's to us, too, you know, I, I grew up playing different sports. I didn't grow up playing golf. Um, I picked up golf in college and after college, so call me late to the game or early to the game, depending on, you know, who, you know, who we're talking to. But for us, too, it was not just new golfers, but folks like my father, right, who had played golf for a long yep. time, but, you know, they're supporting a family and, you know, go talk to mom. Yeah. Hey, honey, I just bought a $500 range finder. I don't, I don't think that <laughs> conversation would have gone over too well. Right? It's like, come on, <laughs> no, you're already no. playing golf spending four and a half, five hours out of the house. Right. So a lot of different use cases, but I think the core theme that you're talking about was there wasn't a ton of optionality out there. And there's a lot of different mm-hmm. levels of play and a desire for different types of products. And so we did our best and continue to try to do our best in making sure that we can provide golfers um, high quality, um, awesome ROI products um, at, a, mm-hmm. at a good and fair value. Um, and I think we, up to this point, I'm really proud of our team and, and the ability uh, for them to execute in what we've done so far, being a relatively new company. Yeah. And, and you know, really, in golf, I'm, you know, I've been around the golf business for a long, long time, so I'm, yeah. you know, I guess you would refer to me as old school in some ways. But I recognize yeah. the diversity that's coming into the game right now, and I embrace it 100% because I'll give you an example. Yeah. I've gone for a number of years. I've gone to the PGA Merchandising Show, and I've seen, you know, the same suspects there every every season, and they're rolling out the same uh, the same products essentially and just rebranding it somehow. And... Mm-hmm. But now I'm seeing a, a newer generation coming up and saying, hey, we want to be part of this. 
but we want to bring our own toys. We want to bring our own style, and we want to, you know, we see it in the clothing. We see it in the whole approach to it, and there's room for both. That's the thing is there's room mm-hmm. for what people might classify the traditional golfer that wants the, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z, and then we've got somebody else that comes in and says, hey, we want to come in with a different uh, approach to this, and this is essentially what you guys have done. And you've come out with a lot of great uh, products, uh, certainly other products that certainly are similar to what you've got, but you've, you've found, mm-hmm. again, that niche. So I want to talk to, um, with respect to the range finders here. Obviously, the features yeah. are, are similar or the same to what you might find in other range finders, um, but the yeah. styling is different. It doesn't look like um, yeah. your typical range finder. Tell us a little bit what, what nope. the thought behind this and, and the approach that you guys uh, pursued. Yeah, so um, a couple of us that started the company, we were childhood best friends. We grew up together, and we grew up in Southern California. Um, So really, really fortunate for us to grow up by the beach. And so really, as we thought about how do we want to disrupt the look and the feel, um, we kind of equate it, or we equated it to and still do, kind of what Travis Matthew did with apparel, Um, fun prints, Mm -hmm ocean vibe, tropical vibe, and we thought, well, what can we do a little bit differently? And so uh, one of my best friends and our, our chief creative officer, he's a, an industrial designer by trade, uh, he'll be the first to tell you that he's very inspired by companies like Apple and like GoPro. Mm-hmm. So really high-quality, minimal-looking uh, designs. Um, and candidly speaking, he's the brains behind the operation. Um and what comes out of his brain is just incredible, right? But as we thought about how did we want to change, how did we want to flex, um, it was that high-quality, very modern, elegant-looking design, um, and that's all from our, our chief creative officer, Brandon. Yeah, and, and, and again, you want to, uh, you know, obviously you have to differentiate yourself from your competition. There's going to be certain similarities, a certain technology that's going to be embedded within, uh, you know, a yep. variety of products like cars. I mean, every car has an engine, every car has brakes, and so on and so forth. Yep. But you have to find a way of tapping into the market you want to go after. And even though this particular product that you offer, um, not just the rangefinder, but the others we'll talk about in a minute, um, yep. really is for everybody – but at the yep. same time, you're recognizing that there's a new crop of, of younger golfers coming in, so you want to make it appealing to them as well as their traditional golfers. Um, and it's, you guys have certainly done that with the design, right? Well, we appreciate that. And it's, it's how, how do you toe the line, right? And how do you make something look – how do you appeal to the younger demo who's wearing the really loud prints but then also how right. do you appeal to more of the traditional demo, right? It doesn't want something that's super overstated and loud yet looking good and style is important, right? And so it's towing the line, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, to try to find that happy medium. And, I mean, what, what we've put out thus far I think really does lend itself to, to making sure that we don't exclude people, right, because it is too loud or it is too modern yet still focusing on that modern look and feel. Uh, of the product suite. Now you have, uh, uh, we'll stick with the rangefinder for a second more. Yeah. Um, you've got a, a series two and a series three uh, rangefinder. Tell us about that. What's the difference? Is it just a generational yeah. thing? As far as um, you know, obviously series two came out first, and 
maybe it's a little yep. bit uh, cheaper than the other. Give us a, a breakdown. What's the difference between Series 2 and Series 3? Yeah, so uh, really the difference between the Series 2 and the Series 3 are going to be the feature set. Um, and so Series 2 was our flagship product when we first came out as a company. Um, we have our Series 2 and our Series 2 Pro. Um, they both are incredibly accurate. Um, they both uh, have, I mean, range finders, like everything has an 800-yard range for a 900-yard range. Like nobody needs to hit the ball that far, right? But so they have no. a ridiculous <laughs> range. They're very, very accurate. Um, but one of the main differences between um, our Series 2 models, because we have two of them, we have our Series 2 Pro and our regular Series 2, one of them has slope um, always on. Um, and the other does mm-hmm. not. So as we think about the high school golfer that wants to buy a rangefinder mm-hmm. that doesn't want to go spend $400, the Series 2 is a great product for said individual yep. because it is tournament legal. Um, for the everyday mm-hmm. golfer who wants the competitive advantage against their buddy right on the par 3 and to have the slope measure, um, that's where the Series 2 Pro comes in. Um, as we thought about going up market and building a rangefinder that had a few more features, a few more bells and whistles. Some of the things that were not included in our Series 2 lineup were stuff like a built-in magnet. So we mm-hmm. have a built-in magnet in our Series 3 Max. Uh, so for easy access on the card or picking it up with your club. Um, another feature of the Series 3 Max that our Series 2 line did not have was a built-in slope switch. So rather than having to make the decision of do I want a rangefinder with slope on all the time or without slope at all, uh, we put the slope switch in so that the, the golfer can choose based on what they need. And then we're really proud and excited about a technology that we introduced in our Series 3 line. It's called an auto ambient display. Um, even though I work at a golf company, I don't get to golf that much, and oftentimes when I do, it's after a long day in the office and it's usually, you know, playing at as the sun is setting and it's really hard to lock onto a target um, when it's a bit darker in the foreground. And so our auto ambient technology is right. It has a sensor on it that essentially says, wow, it's really bright out or it's kind of dark. And if it's really bright, Mm -hmm. the text on the display is going to read black so that you can easily identify and lock onto your target. Contrary, when it's dark outside, the text will automatically invert to red so that you can get that mm-hmm. contrast and more easily find your target and read uh, the, the distances and what the display says. So those are, I would say, three of the key differences between our Series 2 line and our Series 3 Max. Very good. Now, you also have some other accessories uh, that go yeah. with your rangefinder. Uh, you have a, a rangefinder uh, uh, magnetic uh, strap. Tell us about that. What's the purpose yep. of that? And just give us an idea. Yeah, so, you know, thinking about easy access, what do we want as a golfer? Um, through customer feedback, uh, we realized with our Series 2 line, our customers were asking for a magnet, right? Um, we wanted to give them a blue tees designed and blue tees quality uh, magnet for that. So we built a magnetic strap. And for those listening, the magnetic strap looks eerily similar to an Apple Watch. Um, goes around the rangefinder, easy access to, (laughs) again, that Apple influence, right? But uh, easy access to the cart, easy access to the club. Um, And then as we think about products that we've built uh, since then, um, we've also added this pretty nifty little product called our our Mag Hub. And it's this device that clips to the golf bag for those of us that like to walk. Um, And because we have the magnet on the rangefinder, 
uh, the Series 3 Max, because we have the magnetic strap, right, for the Series 2, um, you can just clip it to this mag hub on the side of your bag, and rather than having to put it in and out of the case, you've got the mag hub for easy access while you're walking. Right, and the magnet's strong enough that it's going to keep it in place. You don't have to worry about it dropping off and so forth. Um, so, uh, again, that's a, a great feature, having, not having to go into a case all the time and pulling it out and, and so forth. You've got a safe yep. place to, uh, <clears throat> to connect it to your golf bag. Um, <clears throat> you also have, guys have gone a little further. I want to move away from the, the range finders. Um, yeah. You know, again, this day and age in, in golf, it's about having fun. It's not always so serious. Okay. And uh, I, I'm taking a cue from, from my younger generation. I'm obviously a little bit older than you are. Um, but you guys like to have some yeah. fun. And, and who doesn't like to maybe yeah. listen to a, little, a few tunes while you're out in the golf course uh, or even on the driving range? You guys have come up with a golf speaker. Um, again, yeah. we've certainly seen others on the market. But um, this is something that you guys – tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I do enjoy listening to, to music on the right kind of golf course or in the right setting. Right. Uh, I think there's a time and the place for it. And when there is the time and sure. the place, we wanted to have a, an awesome speaker. Um, and the speaker market there, it's saturated, right? You've got some incredible brands out there that build awesome speakers. Um, but what we realized is the speakers that we, we were bringing to the golf course, and I speak for myself and my group of friends, not, not everybody, obviously, but they were just generic speakers, and they weren't easily accessible on the cart, or they didn't have features that we were looking for, and we were constantly putting them in our drink holders. And when you put a speaker in the right. drink holder, right, you limit, you limit space for your drinks or your phone or your <laughs> like me. I got a couple of extra golf balls in the cart, right? Um, and so, right. man, this is really inconvenient. And so we set out to design um, a speaker uh, above everything else. And so it's an awesome sounding speaker that has also a built-in magnet. And so it's easily accessible. You can clip it onto the golf cart and that thing is not coming off. Um, in the R&D phases, I, did, I can't tell you how many different <laughs> magnet strengths and we landed on one that it's not moving. Um, the testing phase was very, very fun, <laughs> but it gave a lot of us whiplash uh, when we were testing it because we were going into things with real like crash uh, car dummies. But um. The speaker itself, it's, uh, <laughs> it's great. It's got a 360-degree sound, so it's got multiple speakers, and it's got multiple uh, subwoofers in there, so that's awesome. Um, it's got the built-in magnet. It's completely waterproof. Um, if you end up on some sort of Instagram golf meme account because your golf cart goes into a lake, it somehow I'm not sure how it could go in there, but your speaker's still right. going to work. Um, uh, oftentimes, right, uh, we're low on power on our phones, and so it's got a built-in power bank. So if you bring uh, bring your iPhone, bring your Android charging cable out there with you, you can plug it into your speaker and charge your phone. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a great speaker. And then for you know any PGA professionals listening or any folks that work at a golf course or do member guests. Uh, we also have an awesome customs program uh, with our speaker, too. So corporations, golf courses, mm -hmm. uh, we've built a program where you can customize it and put your logo on there. Awesome little gift. Um, and so we're, we're doing some fun stuff with the speaker and, and trying to become more of that golf technology company versus just a golf rangefinder company. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to, you know, obviously, with any company, you want to offer a variety of, of products. Um, you want to certainly 
uh, stick to a market that, that you know and, and are comfortable mm-hmm. with and you don't want to get too far afield. But this, uh, again, walks in line with where the market is going generally um, into mm-hmm. that, uh, again, uh, not to say that there isn't times to be serious on the golf course, but at the same time, um, as we're seeing more and more coming to the game, they're, they're mm-hmm. really wanting to make it more. You know, they're not looking to play on the PGA or the LPGA Tour. They just want to go out with their friends and have a good time. And, um, you know, whether it's their guy friends, uh, girlfriends, husband, wife, whatever the case is, or uh, a group of, of, of you want to going out there, you want to have a good time and you want to make it fun. And, again, um, you know, we're not saying to crank up the tunes and, and disturb everybody, but yeah. there is a time and a place, and you can make it fun. And the nice thing about it is, you know, even when you're getting ready out on the practice tee, you can have a little bit of music, and again, under the right circumstances, and the fact yep. that you can mount this thing on your golf cart or even whether you're pushing a, a, a pull cart, you can mount it on the metal there uh, and uh, and yep. take it with you, and it's not coming off. So um, yep. that's good. And, you know, the, the fact that you guys have put a lot of thought into this um, is important because we see a lot of stuff, as you said, you, you've tested some other things on the market. They come out there, and it looks, at first glance, looks pretty good. And I just want to tell you, just uh, on a side note, uh, I have uh, one of your range finders. I was uh, uh, sent one a while back, and I happen to have the, the navy blue one of that, and, it, and it's a great product, let me just say that. I don't have the speaker yet, hint. Uh, I don't have a speaker, <laughs> uh, hint, hint, but um, I'm sure we can arrange that. We got you. But, yes. but uh, b- uh, black, by the way. But anyways, um, okay. but all kidding aside, um, but it's very affordable price because, and again, at the same time, it's quality made, but it's affordable so that it's more accessible. And, and golf is becoming a game, really, that's being driven by the, the market. You know, before it was driven by the industry where it's, okay, you know, we're opening our doors, you come to us. Now consumers are saying, no, you come to us. Here's what we want. We want something, we want access to, to the game, but we also want uh, access at an affordable price. And that's something that you guys uh, you know, being in business before, outside of golf, when yeah. you got introduced to the game through your own, you know, efforts, came to realize mm-hmm. that, hey, um, we enjoy this game, we love this game, uh, but we think we can make something that's going to be offered to uh, a demographic or a, a, an area of golfers, um, and you're filling that void very nicely, and you're doing it in a stylish and, and um, very creative, inventive way. So kudos to you and, and all the rest of of the folks at Blue Tees for doing that. So um, without giving any way, any trade secrets or anything, is there anything next, yeah. what's new uh, that may be coming out uh, that you guys are working on? Can you share anything, or, or is that uh, for next time? Um, well, I, I can say this. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we're listening to our customers, um, and we've got an incredible, incredible customer base that we're very, very thankful to and for. And, They've given us some awesome ideas. And so as we think about the, the future of Blue Tees, I think number one is, you know, we want to make sure that our customers have options. Um, and we want to continue to build incredibly high-quality, um, really great-value products um, that look good. And so, you know, I, I said this earlier, but moving away from just a rangefinder company to more of an inclusive golf technology and lifestyle company. And so, that is mm-hmm. the, the future of Blue Tees and where we're headed. And so uh, we will have some new products that do come out um, at the end of this year um, as well mm-hmm. as the start of next year. So we'll be hopefully unveiling a few things at the PGA show. Um, but, again, 
kind of sticking to our laurels of, of knowing who our customer is, knowing that they want optionality, knowing that they want to have a frictionless purchase process, right, and be able to find our products wherever they are, um, meet our customer where they are, and make sure that we fulfill their needs. That's that's kind of a core tenet of Blue Tees and something that we're going to continue to do. But to your to your question, I don't want to give away specifics yet, but uh, we've got right. some awesome stuff coming up that, that we're really excited about, and uh, we believe through customer feedback uh, it's going to resonate well with the market. Well, I look forward to, to having you back on a future show that where we can talk in a little bit yeah. more detail on that. Um, but I, I want to yeah. I want to just you know emphasize in a couple of things. You know, I'm, I've yeah. looked on you know of course Blue Tea's website and that. And and what I really like yeah. is you you have a lot of different options, not just individually with the rangefinder and so forth that we've talked about tonight, but you you've packaged it in such a way that they have options. So if they just want to get the rangefinder, they can get that. You've also got uh, the rangefinder, the player, which of course is what you call the speaker, which is very um, yeah. um, appropriately named. Um, and then you've also got uh, a magnetic towel. So you've got a package, a bundle yeah. that you can do there that's affordable. Uh, and then if they want to step it up, you've got a magnetic hub that you can throw in a divot tool. And so there's a lot of different package options that they can get if they want to yep. you know, get the whole process. Um, or if they just want to, you know, get one thing at a time uh, as it's appropriate for them, as their needs change, then they can always uh, upgrade and get other things. Um, but you guys have really put some thought. And, and one thing I really like about something you just said is that you listen to your customers. A lot of companies, yeah. um, I think, are, are starting to do that, thankfully, but for a long time they really weren't. They were putting out what they thought the customer wanted, and sometimes it was, a, yeah. you know, a hit, uh, but a lot of times it was a miss. And I think it's important, yep. and I think as new business uh, ventures start and, and owners like yourself and founders uh, coming up in, in the ranks, um, you're looking at it from a different way. Is let's, let's find out what the customer wants, and then let's build out from there. And then as yep. new, um, you know, new features are, are interested, uh, and see, what's, what's the beauty of it is with so many others competing out there at other levels, they can look at what somebody else is doing and come back to you and say, hey, we would really like that. And then it gives you an option to say, okay, yeah, we can do that, but we're going to do it a little bit differently so it's more affordable for you, the customer. Yeah, 100%. And it's, you know, we, we love all of the competition and it, it, we think it's awesome because it fuels innovation, right? It doesn't allow mm -hmm. any of us to rest on our laurels and, and the consumer ends up winning, right? Because new products come out, um, more affordably priced products come out. They're able to have more options out there in the market. And hopefully the competition amongst the brands pushes us to, to be better. Um, and again, it's all about the customer and what they want and listening to them and taking their ideas and, and putting those in their practice. And then also as an organization, it's coming up with, well, how can we push the boundaries of what hasn't currently been introduced into the market and how can we introduce new ideas and new concepts that someone may have not thought of before. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're nobody, we're not a company with, if we're not listening to our customers. Well, and I like the fact too, um, you know, again, sort of having a little bit of an edgier look to, to what you do, um, obviously taps into to your demographic uh, a little bit uh, uh, more aggressively than some of your competitors do because, they're, again, they're going after, in some cases, different markets. Certainly they're, they're selling to everybody, but you can tell just yep. by looking at, at how they're approaching it. Um, I, I want to ask you a question from a demographic standpoint yeah. because we've, we've noticed in the industry 
as I'm sure you have, uh, a substantial uptick in, in women coming to the game. Are you noticing yeah. with your products that certainly it's, it's not a, quite an uneven keel yet because there's obviously typically more uh, men in the game than there are women, but that's rapidly changing. Are you noticing through your customer base that more and more women um, of whatever age are coming to you looking at your products and saying, we like what it is that you're doing um, and we're interested? Because technology has always kind of been, I hate to say this and put it in a box, but has been more of a guy thing. Let's, you know, we like the gadgets, we like this. Are you finding more young ladies particularly are, are attracted to what it is you guys are putting out there? Yeah, you know, I, I would even take a step back and say, you know, young ladies and young men um, are, are attracted to Bluetooth for the simple reason that we do prioritize aesthetic in what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, as I take a look at my personal golf bag and my setup, right, I, I have a golf bag from Jones and I have a golf bag from Vessel, right? Those are two non-traditional yep. golf companies, but I love the way that their products perform and I love the way that their products look and feel. Um, my head covers, right, are from different brands. You know, I, I don't have the, sure. the Titleist or the, the tailor-made head cover, although I have their clubs. And so all to say mm-hmm. one of the, the overarching themes that we're seeing, regardless of gender, is people care about what their setup looks like. And it mm-hmm. is easier to access, you know, stylish, we can use that as the the word here, it's easier to access stylish looks, right? I mean, TaylorMade Tomorrow is going to launch a collaboration with a a pretty cool clothing brand by the name of Kiss, and that probably wouldn't have happened two years ago. And so as we see this push for style, look, feel, and and just golf in general, that was one of the main theses behind Blue Teases. Can we infuse that into a technology product um, and offer that to folks. And, and we're seeing, you know, men and women, for that matter, be attracted to that type of product. And as we think about making sure that we speak to everybody, you'll notice in our Series 3 Max lineup, we actually offer three colors, yes. right? So we have, yes. we have our flagship blue and white rangefinder. We have our matte black rangefinder. And then we have our rose gold and cream rangefinder. And yeah, again, the goal is making sure that we can give the customer what they want and let them express themselves through the look and their feel of their golf game. And we're, mm-hmm. we're sticking to our laurels there, and we're really happy with how that's uh, played out thus far. Yeah. I, again, I think it's important, number one, to listen to your customers. I think you guys obviously have done yeah. that very, very well. And, uh, you know, you guys have, have grown to uh, a substantial point at this point that now you're able to – uh, not necessarily, not saying that you were, but you're not a follower of industry trends, but you're actually a leader in industry trends um, because people are looking at you and saying, hey, um, we like what these guys are doing. They're, they're not just coming out with another product here. They're coming out with a different option uh, for the market that's different, uh, offers certainly some similar features that somebody else might have, but they're doing it from a different uh, perspective and appealing yeah. to a whole different demographic. Um, well, at the same time, uh, offering to the traditional golfers as well, which is not an easy task to accomplish in any business, let alone golf. So, again, kudos to you and, you, and uh, the other staff at Blue Tees. 
No, thank you. We uh, we really appreciate that. And, and hearing you say that, right, I mean, that sounds like an, an internal sales pitch, right? And so uh, I'm glad. And it's not. That, by I'm the way, there's no paid endorsements I, here or, or anything. No. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, it's awesome, though, to hear, right, somebody else reiterate what you as a company have set out to do. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a fan moment for me here to hear that being said by someone not myself or a Bluetooth employee. It's, it's, it's awesome, and we're, we're doing our best to stay the course and continue, uh, continue that moving forward. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, it, again, it will serve you guys very well, um, you know, uh, again, starting with, with, you know, one product and now branching out to other products and more things to come down the road. I'm, I'm excited for you, um, you know, where you are now, and I'm excited to see uh, where you're going to go as time moves forward. Um, but, uh, Drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to you in, in closing, uh, first off, any final thoughts yeah. that you may have that you want to share, anything coming up, any specials that uh, you want to make uh, the yeah. listeners aware of? Um, let's let's well, do that, and well, then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. Yeah, well, for, I actually have a question for you first, Ray, um, if, if that's okay. Um, sure. You know, we, we, listen to, we listen to every demographic of golfer and what types of products are they looking for in the market, right? Someone like yourself who's mm-hmm. been in golf, you know, for, for quite some time has seen brands come and go, have seen products come and go. You know, what type of products are you looking for in the golf market or what are some of the things that you wish you had access to that, that you might not right now? Well, fortunately, being in the position I am, I get access to quite a few things. So, um, but um, but it, it, just because of, of you know what I do, and and uh, you know I own one of the magazines as well. So um, yeah. you know I get people obviously providing me a lot of different things. But um, but in all seriousness, for me, I, I look at golf a little bit differently than some of the other traditionalists. I've always believed in, in inclusion when it comes to the game. I think this is a game, you know, my father, I, I grew kind of traditionally in the sense that, you know, my father was the one that, you know, uh, ushered me out to the golf course, uh, gratefully and thankfully. Um, not everybody's had that opportunity. And again, you know, we've just been going through this pandemic and a lot of people uh, sort of went out uh, involuntarily because there was nothing else to do. They were, you know, watched everything on Netflix and, and uh, whatnot. And they thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And they got introduced to, to the game. Um, for me, what I want to see is, uh, is a couple of things. Uh, I'll, I'll get to the technology in a second, but I want to see generally, mm-hmm. um, I want to see uh, more affordability. I want to see equipment uh, be much more affordable for people. I want access to be much more affordable for people to get out there because to me, virtually every other sport, whether it be tennis, basketball, baseball, whatnot, is accessible to the masses on a very cost-effective scale. Golf is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's first and mm-hmm. foremost what I want to see. To answer your more direct question as far as <clears throat> technology is I want to see you know, companies like yourself come out. I want to see more and more uh, people, whether they're in the golf industry or coming to the golf industry from whatever industry, to bring their um, ideas and saying, how can we make this um, not just more affordable, but how can we make it more fun? Um, you know, mm-hmm. golf has always had, and I'll be the first to admit it, it's kind of been a stuffy uh, you know, shirt type of, of game. I want to see as, mm-hmm. as far as technology is concerned, and there's a lot of it out there. We see a lot of the, the watches out there and other technologies. Um, we're seeing glasses coming out now with certain technology to be able to do similar to what the, you know, range finders. I think what I want to see with technology 
is I want to see um, something that allows the golfer to have an all-around great experience. So without having to buy, you know, 500 different products uh, and load up their golf bag that it weighs 150 pounds without the clubs, um, give yep. a good example is, and there is some of it out in the market right now, is, you know, I think the speaker is a great thing. Um, some of them have uh, the ability with GPS built in it. I think that's a great thing as well, giving the yardages. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so there's that type of thing. Um, we're seeing a lot of mini um, range, uh, not range finders, but um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, I knew I was going to, this was going to happen. Um, this is what happens when you get old, Drew. This is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> Like, um, uh, the, you, you know, like I, w- I want to see things like, like you know, flight, flight scope has them, and and uh, what's yep. the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, you're, um, that, we're talking about like uh, the mini uh, trackmans on the range, essentially to be able to right. measure. Yep. Uh, yeah, mobile launch monitors. You. That's what the word I was looking for. Mobile launch. Um, so you know, uh, uh, there's more and more of them coming out in the market. You know, we're seeing a lot of apps and things like that. But I think the underlying thing, yeah. I think whatever brings people joy and makes it fun, yeah. um, I, I think is, is great. And I think that even some of the simplest accessories, um, you know, yeah. here's something great. I mean, you guys have got a magnetic towel. I mean, <laughs> right? you know, everybody's clipping their towel on the bag. Um, you know, how cool is that? I, I, that's the first I've ever seen that. So, easy, you know, easy. Easy access. We're not, not, not lighting the world on fire with that, but it's, just, it's more convenient. It's easier to use. You can take it to the green, and you can pop it on your cart, and it's accessible. It just makes it easier. You don't right. have to clip it on and off. That's what I'm saying is whatever makes it easier for the player, for the golfer, whatever makes it a more enjoyable experience. So I think you know, there's a lot of things. I think you guys are on the right track, I think, with what you've already got, and yeah. I'm sure as, as we'll discover as, as time goes on, there's other things I know you can't share now, but uh, we'll hear other things that you guys have probably maybe maybe somewhere along the lines of what I've already brought up. But I think overall, what I'm looking for is what's going to make it a more pleasurable, uh, fun experience um, uh, for the golfer. So whatever technology can you can incorporate to make it a more pleasurable experience for the end user uh, and a more fun and creative, I think is what I'm looking for. So specifically, I know it may not answer directly what you're looking for, but that's generally what I'm looking for. No, I mean, it's great to hear you say that. Um, and, and again, I, I think what we have coming down the pike, really, you've kind of reconfirmed our gut feeling with some of the products that we're going to release to market with what you just shared. So how can we make things more accessible, make golf more fun, make it easier? And we don't need 101 different gizmos and gadgets in our bag, right? Is there something that we can use that satisfies multiple needs out there while we're on the right. golf course? So, uh, yeah, no, that was a awesome, it was awesome to hear you say that, and, and it's going to make me sleep better tonight knowing that you did say that. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, you're quite welcome. But, you know, it, it, again, it goes to a greater point is that people are looking for uh, ease of access to things. They're looking for ease of use, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's another thing is you want whatever it is that you're using. And there's some great products on the market, but I'll be the first to admit, there's some that are very cumbersome, very um, you know, difficult uh, 
you know, when you're on the fly and you're out in the golf course, you know, you can't be sitting there wasting time. You know, you're slowing things up. So you've got to be able to get access to that, you know, if it, whether it be a mobile, uh, certain non launch monitor, but you get things where, where mm-hmm. not just the range finders, but you get other products, whether it be a watch or some of the speakers out there, as I said, uh, will tell you the distances and so forth. You need to be able to access that information very quickly and easily and not have to sit and play around or the Bluetooth is not, you know, connecting and not connecting. So, you know, whatever you can do to make it a more pleasurable experience for your customers, they're going to gravitate to. If they've got to sit and play around with it or if it's, if it's difficult to do uh, or understand or grasp, they're not going to buy it. And yep. that's really what, what, the, you know, what the companies are searching for. And as technology is rapidly changing, um, <clears throat> you know, more and more companies like yourself are looking to tap into that technology and at the same time are looking to make it eye-catching and appealing so that when people look at the product, they're saying, okay, what the heck is that? Um, instead, what you want them to do is they want to say, hey, wow, that's really great. I like the look of it. It feels good. It's, it's got a, a, a really appealing look, and it's functional. It does what I need it to do, what I want it to do, what yep. I would like it to do, but it's cool at the same time, and that's what you want. And it's, e- and it's easy to use and intuitive, right? Yep. Be and, it's a, and it's affordable. And it's it's easy yeah. on the pocketbook, and it's it's still built yeah. with enough quality that I can take it, and certainly I'm not going to be chucking it across the the golf course. But if I happen to drop it, yep. it's not falling apart, and I feel like I've gotten value for my money. So again, uh, I think you guys are, are on a, a great path, uh, on a great path, and, and I'm happy to, to give you that feedback. But uh, but uh, Drew, Thank let's you. tell them where they need to go and, and check out yeah. some of that information. What's the website? Yeah, so if anybody's looking for some, some awesome golf rangefinders or speakers or accessories, uh, we're going to be holding a massive 4th of July sale coming up. Uh, so a great opportunity to buy some of the products at a greatly, 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 greatly discounted price. Um, BlueTeesGolf.com um, is where you can access that sale. Um, we're also really, really fortunate to be um, – and Dick Sporting Goods, Golf Galaxy, PGA Tour Superstore, so any and Shield, so any of the big box retailers uh, that you can think of, we're there. But uh, BlueTeesGolf.com, we're going to be having some epic uh, sales this coming Fourth of July holiday. Um, that's where that's where I think people should go if they're interested to learn more. And when does that actually take? Does it take place on the fourth, or is it taking on the weekend? When does it actually uh, when does it kick off? Uh, so it'll be a weekend sale. So tune in um, very shortly here, and um, yeah, it could be running sales for uh, throughout the weekend, and and should be should be pretty awesome. All right, go to blueteesgolf.com, find all uh, the accessories that you need, and uh, there's going to be a great sale this weekend. So keep uh, keep tuned in and uh, take a look at it and. Uh, check it out. It's definitely worth uh, worth your time. Drew, I want to thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been fun. I enjoyed uh, hearing your perspective, and it's always a, a pleasure. I enjoy interviewing, uh, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself, and um, you know that really understand and listen to their customers. Because I've been in sales for for many many years uh, myself over over my career, and that's always been the number one thing to me is to listen to my customers. And I do the same with my audience. I know what it is they like to listen to, and that's what I try to bring to uh, the air for them. So I'm glad you were able to join me, and I look forward to having you back on a future show uh, when we can talk about some other products that Blue Tees has got. But in the meantime, for the listeners, go to blueteesgolf.com 
and check out some of the great savings you're going to find this weekend for the 4th of July. Thank you very much, Drew. As always, it's a pleasure, and I hope to have you back uh, on the near uh, future on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Ted. You have a wonderful evening. You too. Happy 4th. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, Drew Collar, the uh, co-founder and head of business development at Blue Tees Golf. Again, go to blueteesgolf.com. Check out some of the great products that they have there. They are really a great company, and they certainly are very forward-thinking. I think that you'll find uh, that uh, they're very, very affordable and uh, certainly very stylish, and the, the equipment I can attest to, certainly to the rangefinder. I haven't tested the others yet. Uh, but they are uh, it's a great range finder and I, I've uh, really enjoyed using it so definitely check them out and again once again special thanks to my good friend Clint Wright for joining me earlier on Coach's Corner panel thank you always uh, for doing a great job and I appreciate it and I hope you guys learned something on, on bunker shots we try to uh, do a little bit of uh, uh, teaching if you will here on air I know it's not always easy when you can't see what's going on but uh, hopefully we'll give you a few nuggets to uh, to look at and to listen to um, all right next week I will be back on both shows Tuesday's women of golf of course from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time here on the blogtalkradio.com network and then of course next Thursday I'll be back with another coaches corner panel and another great insightful uh, interview guest uh, and then the week after I'm going to be away on holidays that's the week of the 11th uh, so there will be no shows that week, and then I'll return, of course, the week after. So one more week of shows. I'll take a week break uh, for some a well-deserved holiday, and then I'll be back the week following. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I will see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. Happy 4th, everybody, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.